So a few months before getting married, our priest walked us through the details of the service itself. And when we got to the part about exchanging rings, I got a bit uncomfortable. I saw marital rings as symbols of ownership, being rooted in the patriarchy, a symbol for women as taken or not taken, and I certainly did not want one on my hand. So our priest invited us to consider instead exchanging another symbol of our vows, to come up with something that would be meaningful. So we happily went off, considered many things. A flower, eh, that wilts, that fades. We want something more permanent. A watch, now that might break. A tattoo, <laughs> uh, that's branding, ownership again. And the more we dove into the meaning of the symbol of our vows, the more we inched our way back to rings. Permanent, steady, unchanging, an unbroken circle of love ever returning upon itself. And we decided if we'd both commit to always wearing ours, we would have an ever-present witness to our vows. So the symbol that had been terribly fraught for me gradually became the perfect symbol. And about two weeks before our wedding, we ran out and got rings. The very symbol I had rebelled against, I came to embrace with profound love and respect As Christians, we face a similar challenge with images of Jesus. Images are sprinkled all over over scripture. Jesus the shepherd, the judge, our savior. And they're metaphorical images, some really familiar, our fortress, our rock, the cornerstone, the bread of life. The author Lauren Winner goes into some of the lesser-known metaphors for God. God is clothing. God is smell, a sweet fragrance. God, a laboring woman. Laughter, a flame. All of these illuminate and help illuminate who God is, who Jesus is, giving us really beautiful access points into the multidimensional nature of God. Each one carries a lens into the mystery of God, yet each one also carries limitations. Some images have cultural baggage, and tragically some come with histories of being used oppressively by Christians in the church over the centuries. So today we have the biggest image of all, Christ the King. It is Christ the King Sunday. And for me, the image of a king is not easily accessible. I did not grow up wanting to be a princess. And maybe that's because we didn't have television and I didn't have access to the array of Disney princesses. 
I was never athletic enough to be king of the hill. I was one of the ones being kicked and shoved down. And as I got older, kings and the idea of kingship, monarchy did not take on positive associations. I mean, overthrowing the monarchy is the very foundation of our nation. And in the Western world, we are now living with the hard consequences of kings and queens over the centuries driving colonization of so much of Africa, of island nations, Central, South America. This colonization by kings and queens led to slavery, economic exploitation, impoverishment, and in some cases, genocide. And I'd venture to guess that there are very few of us sitting here this morning that crave a king in the way the Jewish people in Jesus' time craved a king. A king like King David, perhaps, who would conquer oppressors, build a great nation, and bring God's reign to earth. Their image a king, a Messiah, is the image we dive in today on Christ the King Sunday. This is the image that's to be our access point to understanding the nature of Jesus' kingship. This access point in today's gospel is one of Jesus being crucified. He is up on the cross with a crime he's been convicted of, posted above his head, the king of the Jews. Crowds are gathered, watching, and the loudest voices, it's the leaders in the crowd, the soldiers mocking him, both of them saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. Even one of the two thieves on the crosses next to him one of them joins in the mockery and the scorn, says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. Christ the King Sunday, and here we are celebrating a king who's dying, who's not saving himself, yet one who we know now will rise and live again. This is a king not defined by worldly power. Jesus rejects proving his greatness in favor of taking on the worst that humanity can dish out. Abuse, condemnation, and execution without cause. Jesus takes on suffering and death at the hands of an impressive worldly power to ultimately conquer it. Jesus' personal embrace of humanity's darkest cruelty declares to us my kingship means I am with you. I am with you. The theology and ethics professor Ada Maria Isazi Diaz, a pioneer of contemporary Hispanic theology, wrestled with how to express Jesus' kingship to communities who've been profoundly abused by political, cultural, socioeconomic imperialism. She and some of her contemporaries put forth the proposition that we rephrase Jesus's kingship as kinship. Jesus as our kin, suffering with us. 
Jesus, whose power is reaching on the most human level of all into our pain, into the brokenness of the world, the power reaching into oppressive regimes, oppressive racism, homophobia, xenophobia, sexism, imperialism. Jesus declaring that his kingdom is a kingdom, that he is with us, God is with us the kingdom of God. The ultimate good news for all who suffer at the hands of worldly kings and worldly powers, this is the ultimate good news. There is another kingdom, a kingdom rooted in a relationship with Christ, a relationship with God. This relationship is a relationship of solidarity of love of God and love of one another, and one that's coming into being now. The only person in today's gospel reading, this gospel moment when Jesus is up on the cross, the only person who recognizes, truly recognizes Jesus's kingship is the thief who did not mock him. He seizes Jesus, he sees Jesus's kinship that Jesus there, innocent, a brother, an innocent brother, is suffering with him. He sees the contrast between that holiness and his own crime, and he asks Jesus for mercy. He asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom, and Jesus says, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is not just for tomorrow. Its liberative nature breaks into today, breaks in with forgiveness, just like Jesus at the beginning of the gospel reading says, Father, forgive them, they know what, not what they do. Jesus' kinship with us breaks in through loving relationship through, in the words of contemporary Latinx theologians, through la familia. This is a kinship, a kingship, that usher in, ushers in liberation through solidarity. Every act of love, every act of forgiveness and justice that we engage in is an act that brings us into deeper kinship loving, forgiving, merciful kinship with one another and with God. Every act brings in a glimpse of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. So let's embrace Jesus's kingship today, the kinship of our Savior a kinship that draws us into solidarity with the suffering of the world, and a kinship that calls us into action. Christ the King, calling us to help create God's kingdom together in the here and the now. Amen. <laughs>